They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. How you doing, Emily? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. You said uh, you're enjoying sleep. I unfortunately have not had some good sleep in a month. So, <laughs> but you got a baby, man. Babies are awesome. Babies are <laughs> awesome, but they're a lot of work. And I have, I I have a four-year-old too. So I don't know about children and, and adults and stuff like that, but babies are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty good. I was gonna. I was. <laughs> How do you deal with like people's comments? Because I just I've had this thing bothering me. I did a show yesterday where, where I was talking about Parsons and the Babylon working and all this shit. And I was talking about Parsons, obviously JPL, and had this comment on my friend's video, and it was like, out of all the crazy shit that I said about homunculus and all this craziness, magic and Crowley, the dude was like, "Huh, this guy believes that we went to space." I'm like. Out of all the crazy shit that I just said, that's the one thing that you picked up that I'm crazy for believing that we went into space. 
I agree with him. You don't. I, <laughs> what is it? The truth yeah. is, the truth is stranger than fiction, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think we went to space. I think, I think it was. I think we went later on, not when they said that we did. So not in uh, the in you know in the early what was it six late sixties? No, I think we went later on. You know okay. what I mean? Like because you know we're in this whole propaganda state of trying to to one up everybody, all the other nations. So Correct. we're gonna say we went, say we went, and then we'll figure it out later on as we go if they ever did. You know what I mean? I I right. think we eventually did, not so much that we didn't at all. And I maybe we found some shit that we weren't supposed to find, and that's why we haven't been back and lost the tech to get to the moon. All right, so I, I, the next question for you then would be, where do you think space is? Where do I think space is? I mm-hmm. think it's up. Up, you from, think it's up. I think it's up. So I guess, so I, I'm not, I'm um, like both like earth shape and cosmologically agnostic in a lot of ways, right? Um, but... I'd say one of the things that I can't say, I wouldn't say I'm certain because I haven't checked. Like I haven't been offered a ticket, uh, you know, and I have whatever. I think that I, I, I don't, I don't think that space exists in the way it's been described to mm-hmm. us. Um, I don't think you go there in a spaceship and whether that spaceship belongs to uh, NASA or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or whoever, like, I don't think it's in any of those things. I think the things that they're doing that they say are space travel are all either time or dimensional travel, right? And so, like, so, so that that's my main thought about that. I think that there probably is something that exists outside of whatever this construct or some this thing we live in is, right? I think there is something that exists outside of it, but I think that the things that we have been described to us as like outer space are actually like mm, what you would find if you did a deep, deep brain study, like the brain mapping program. So I think the thing that we look at and go, Oh, that's space at night. It's something that we're projecting outside of ourselves. That is an inner explanation of the mystery of, of the, of the human psyche in the mind. Right? So space may or may not exist. I don't think we go there. I think we experiment with things like time, we as people, or, you know, the people who have advanced technology or people who are spiritually advanced, which is also a technology, right? We exper- experiment with temporal travel, time time travel, or or dimensional travel, like finding like different layers of the, of the cake, but the cake is here. It's not somewhere else, I don't think, right? There's not been anything presented to me that passes any kind of sniff test. And I think what you're saying about like, oh, they were in this one-up thing and they said they were going to stay, they said they went to space then, but they maybe went later. I think these people were generally the opposite, right? If they're telling us that something is happening now, it's been happening for a long time already. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm also not a big believer in time as we understand it. So I don't look at past, present, and future as solid in the same way that a lot of people do. And I I may or may not be right. I'm not saying that I am, right? So once you have the ability to move back and forth through what we say or understand is time, then when you are saying things becomes like, 
more of like a, a pin on a board or a beacon, like a, a something that's being marked out in like in this temporal representation of the reality we live in, right? And, and, and there's before that and there's after that. And like when that actually is, is sort of less important than the things that happen all around that, right? As soon as there's some like major event, then people think of, well, what happened before that? What happened after, after that? What is happening because that? What caused that? It creates this sort of omnidirectional array of information that people see as related to that thing. And some of it is, and probably some of it isn't. And some of the things that we think are causal may actually be effects and vice versa. Right? Before we get any deeper into it, Emily, can you plug your stuff so people can find you? I always ask at the beginning, but I don't want to get too far in and forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, the hub for most of my stuff is just on my YouTube channel, which is Emily Moyer. I have a variety of podcasts with a number of different people. Um, I, I, you know, and I have offerings on Patreon, Locals, Rockfin, and whatnot. I'm also um, a nutrition consultant. I approach that from kind of a metaphysical esoteric standpoint, and I do some life coaching along with that. And you can find all of the information about those things on my website, which is emilycmoyer.com. Awesome. And like I, I was telling you, I listened to you on Weaving Spiders Welcome or Weaving Spiders Web now. And you were saying some really interesting stuff. And then I had checked you out. And I had, I had actually ran across a video that, that I saw you in the thumbnail once upon a time, probably like three years ago, with the whole when the Tracy Twyman stuff popped off. And mm -hmm. I think I forgot who you were talking to. I forget his name. Anyway, I think it was like Crypto King or something like that. Some guy. You were talking to somebody about Tracy. And so I had seen you a long time ago. And then the thing that really caught my eye was when you started talking about the uh, Project Gateway. Uh-huh. I went to Gateway High School here in Florida. So you're talking about you're seeing like Gateway everywhere. I was like, uh -huh. that's weird. But I feel like when I've been living my entire life, because I was born and raised Pentecostal Christian, I feel like I was asleep. I like I missed so probably so many synchronicities growing up and all this stuff, and I felt like everything was a blur for some reason. Like I, was, like, I don't remember anything from high school because I hated high school. I don't remember anything from like any time except as of recently. I don't know. It's like this this weird thing because I recently really started digging deep into the whole esoteric and occult realm of things. And that's when I started my podcast for the first time. So. Here we are, you know, two and a half years later, almost three years of me podcasting. And I've just, I'm a different person since the beginning until this day right now. So I want to talk to you about Project Gateway. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because this leads into everything else that I want to talk about. So, so the gate, so what we're talking about is the gateway experience, which is a, um, a process that was developed by Robert Monroe of the Monroe Institute. And at some point was... Uh, a connection with the United States military and the, the Central Intelligence Agency developed. Now, there's probably reasonable questions about whether this was just something he was doing and then they discovered it and they became very interested or, you know, whether it was something that, you know, they funded for him to kind of start and, and whatnot. Like, I, I don't know that it's... I don't know that there's an, there's an easy to find answer as to the actual genesis of this process or this idea. Um, but basically it's kind of a, a, a meditative process. Like he, I, I, I'm actually not super familiar with like his teachings. Like I basically met my friend, I met, I met a friend one day for 
um, for lunch in Los Angeles. And I was explaining to him some stuff that I had experienced or what was going on. And he's like, oh, have you have you read the the gateway experience document that was dumped a couple of years ago? And I was like, no. He's like, what you're saying sounds exactly like that. And so I went and I, you know, this was a document that had been previously classified and was now released. And I'm always like, I have a healthy suspicion of that, right? To a certain extent, mostly like my, my opinion is that there's things in there that are true. There's things in there that are not true. And we're never getting like the full amount of information. Like that document was missing a couple of pages. I was able to find a couple of more pages, the pages that were missing. But my guess would be that like the document leaves out a lot of information, right? And, and whatnot. Um, but in terms of when you can read about something and it matches up experiences you've had and and it's explained from like a scientific standpoint, from sort of like a... Mm, like experiential standpoint point, and it, it sort of makes sense to it's like, okay, there's something here right now. Um, so his, I, I think the thing with Monroe is he made these, he had these courses or he made these tapes and whatnot, and people would learn to sort of meditate and go through these processes at different levels. And eventually it becomes about getting, being able to come out of your body, to be able to move forward and backward in time, to be able to just view things, to be able to interact with things that you're viewing and whatnot. And the first level that I think is any type of like movement in time is 14. And then there's another, and that is moving backwards. And then 21 is kind of like where you are able to travel into the future and then sort of move around in that space. There's a variety of different like sort of achievements or, or abilities attained at the various levels, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so, I, so he was telling me about this. So he's like, go read the document. So I read the document and I agreed that it matched sort of the experience that I had told him about, right? And then I, as I was telling Michael about these things, right, we came to sort of understand what we like to do. We do what we call map porn, right? We'll look at where like experiences happen or where or whatnot. We started to notice that there was all these areas in Austin like that are referred to as gateway or like shopping centers, neighborhoods, bridges, things like that. And these were all things that I was spending time with around or near during the period of time when I had the experience that had sort of generated the interest in this document. And then I started connecting. It just like, it was like an endless series. Like it wouldn't stop. It was going on for like a couple of days. Right. I remembered that like, okay, when I moved here to Austin, like around the time that that happened, like, me and my mom came, this, the, shop, the, the hotel we stayed in was in the Gateway Shopping Center, right? And then for some reason, like my mom insisted on like buying me a computer and setting it up. And it was a Gateway computer, right? And it was like all these things about Gateway that were sort of like around the experience. And then I looked at, you know, the neighborhood of the apartment I was living in at the time. And it was right off of Monroe Street, right? And R Monroe is Robert Monroe from the Monroe <laughs> Institute. My grandfather's name is Monroe. His brother's name is Robert, right? Like it was just this on and on an endless series of things. And I have long thought this, but this particular case made it really clear that when we are told about something, we have to look at it from every angle, right? Like we, we're, we're like when we're told that, like whenever I have an idea that will not leave me alone, 
I start cross-referencing with it with other th- weird things that I think are true about myself. And I'm generally able to find um, sort of mm, very secretive or not very well-known like projects or operations or, or groups of people that were working on some weird esoteric thing at some point in time. Or I'm able to find like a piece of software that does with computers the exact thing that I'm talking about that, you know, that I'm thinking is happening on the outside. So everything becomes this like mm, multiple way of explaining the same process and, and reinforcing it as well, right? Like if you, I mean, think about this. We talk about when we, I don't know what your um, knowledge level is on something like MKUltra, right? Or mind control, right? We think of like the public thinks it's just, um, in the 60s or something, they they gave acid, they had hookers give acid to Johns, you know, in like a whorehouse. The midnight and they, climax. That kind of stuff. Yeah. People think it's that, right? And then you get to like a, a basic level of, you know, then you do a little bit more research, like especially if you're a researcher, maybe from the left standpoint, right? And you'll find your way to like, things that are kind of like the Manchurian candidate and like, Oh, these are okay. Like these are mind controlled assassin kind of stuff. And then when you start to get conspiratorial, you'll find your way to like monarch programming or super soldier kind of stuff or whatnot. Right. And then once you pass that barrier, then you start getting into some more interesting things. And, you know, one of the things is at a certain point, in my opinion, a lot of these projects broke away from having to have um, like, people in them that were under like day-to-day or regular control. And one of the ways to do that is to multiply the way your for their programming is reinforced. Right. And so like, if you want them focused on a certain set of ideas or behaviors, right. But you don't want them to be, um, to a, have the awareness of it and B you want them to sort of look normal to everyone else. Because like when we see like the, the sort of stereotypical idea of what like a mind controlled assassin look like. They're like, they look like zombies. Their eyes are wide open. Like if you see that dude walking down the street, you're like, what the fuck? Like, that's not exactly like, you know, keeping your shit under wraps. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if you can like, you know, if you can use things that exist in our culture, environment, reality as the reinforcement, right? So if I'm like, if I'm part of, and I'm not saying that this is a fact, but let's just play with this idea. Right. If I've been like a long time member of some project around the gateway experience or the gateway process. Right. I think some people call it process and experience. And you don't want to have to keep a monitor on me all the time, but you want that part of my brain that is part of that to be to, to, to remain focused on that. Even if it leaves that for a few minutes or a few hours to have like a normal life. At some point, you always want me to come back to that. Right. Like a way you would do that would be having somebody have a job in a shopping center that has that name in it, having a product with that label on it in the home, having them live on a street that is the name of the person associated with it. So whenever their mind sees it consciously or unconsciously, it's reinforcing an entire like file cabinet of, of controls and programs that you've worked on with this person over time. It's just like, mm, I'm trying to think of the, like you can build something right there. I'm trying to think of a certain, um, there are some things that you build that you can't just build them and leave them there. You constantly have to be reinforcing them, working on like cars, mm-hmm. motorcycles. You can't just make the car and give it to the person and the person doesn't have to do anything to upkeep it, right? Same thing with a lot of this programming, 
right? Like it has to have some like some reinforcement or something that happens on a regular cyclical basis. And so having a number of like various ways that certain ideas are like you're reminded of them, you're not thinking about it because you, this, you might not even know that, that that's what's happening, right? But if you have a gateway computer, you know you have a gateway computer. And every time you sit down and look at the computer, it says gateway right there. And like maybe it's just slightly outside of your even ability to perceive it like ignites that programming a little bit every time that you sit on the computer, right? And then what you end up doing while you're on the computer is sort of influenced by that, like the path. It's, it's a very subtle way of being able to guide people in certain directions, sometimes within their awareness, but they might think it's a different thing, sometimes completely out of it, right? So that, and then the other thing is I think that at a certain point, Okay, so I think that they developed strategies for things like that. And I think they also realized that a lot of people who um, were particularly effective at the set of skills and tasks that they liked to uh, explore with mind control, which isn't really just the things that people think it is. It really has much more to do with things like time travel, dimensional travel, remote viewing, psychedelic reconnaissance, like all kinds of stuff, right? Um, a lot of those people like who are good at that stuff are naturally going to be attracted to it anyway. So you might give them like some lessons or some programming or whatever at a certain stage of their life. And they're naturally going to be attracted to, to the things that are like that because they're good. Like I was, you know, like it's the, you know, with, with athletes, do you put them in there because they show a natural aptitude for it or do they like it and want to take it because inside they know it right like it's what comes first do they get good at it and then they go towards it or do they get go to go towards it because they already instinctively understand that they're going to be good at it right so you know i think at a certain point and i'm not saying that the other kinds of programs don't exist that are much more like hands-on controlling they do but they're not the only things i think at a certain point they had a they Your mic disconnected? Seriously? <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't. This is crazy, huh? No, it says it's not connected. Try that thing again. Go out and come back in. I don't know. This is... This is what happens when you get too close to the truth, ladies and gentlemen. You get disconnected in the middle of a conversation when you're Talking about some esoteric occulted shit. Talking about MK Ultra, Manchurian candidate type stuff, which I do believe exists. I do believe that there are NPCs in this realm that are just put here for texture, for as garden gnomes. They're the garden gnomes of this realm. I'm I've I don't, I don't want to say I've seen it, but maybe you've interacted with a couple of NPCs, just people who are off. You feel their energy is off, something weird about them. I, I don't know. You know, it, it's 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 a very touchy subject because that would mean that there are people. It's like when you wake up and go to sleep every day, are you the same person? Is your family still your family? You know that type of crazy shit. So here we are again. Sorry, Emily, sorry. <laughs> I think I need a new why a new cord. Like I think it's not the pin. Like something is not. Not connecting correctly. It's so convenient, though. It, it mutes you right when you're spitting some shit about some occult 
government program, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So all those programs exist. They existed probably first. They still exist. But I think at a certain point, they recognize that they might get farther with some things if they allowed people to pursue their own interests, right? Because like it would open the door to them studying things that they hadn't thought of, right? To new cultures that they could infiltrate or learn from or take whatever, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that time came in the late 70s, right? And so they 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 started to let people like I like I I kind of came upon this when I was doing research on like I think it was MK often and my mind kept wanting to say MK option MK option right like every time I was trying to think about the one thing the other thing came through so I started doing some research and this was years ago now and I was able to find like tracking software that like was based around this idea of like mind control options or M- or, or MK option right um, and I started to play with it and it was like oh okay this makes perfect sense to me this is kind of like do you know how I haven't, I haven't thought of it this way before. This is pretty good. Do you watch baseball at all? Watch no, 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 sports no sports except for boxing okay. and UFC. Okay. You're aware though, that in baseball, there are certain, there's each team generally has one or two players that like can play every position. Okay. Right. They, right. Like they're not just a pitcher or just a catcher that they can play like not every, but maybe multiple three or four positions or whatnot. And that in some ways that player can be, much more useful um, than your star if they're injured, mm-hmm. right? Kind of thing. So what MK option or something like that would do would like, you know, you, you, you put the basic set of training and programming in on the kid and then you let them go on their own way and let them discover and pursue sort of whatever thing they're going to do, knowing that you already like front loaded them with a packet, right? Like kind of like your phone comes with certain apps on it right? So this person has these capabilities. Let's go see what they do with it instead of let's make them do this with that, right? Because making someone do something leads to like a lot of frustration for everybody. And also people who generally like collapse under that, lose their mind, go back shit. It's not really good for either side, right? Let's let this part, this front loaded person go pursue whatever they're going to pursue, right? And chances are they will lead us to places that open more opportunities for us to experiment with them later or for us to know like what the next thing we want to do with the greater public is or whatnot, right? And so I think that that started in the late 70s at the same time a lot of the like old school much more abusive forms of of mind control and you know stuff like that were you know were had been kind of outed by the church committee, right? So I think that, so I think that, you know, people, um, you know, I don't know how this all goes. I don't know for sure if it's just purely genetics or if it's like your family works for, you know, one of the, you know, weapons companies or one of the technology companies or whatever. And they, you know, that's kind of part of the deal, whether the parents actually agree to it or not, that the kids are all part of the preschool or mm-hmm. part of like some program that goes along with that. I mean, I think, um, Fringe, the TV show Fringe does probably like the best overall job of like showing how this process like really works in terms of like who's involved in these projects and programs, what can happen, what the ramifications are, and like what it looks like in a normal person out in the world. Like it does a pretty good job of of showing without like going to 
dramatic extremes either way in terms of like how this is this person like um crazy or is this person like out of touch with what we think of as normal life and reality i think they do a pretty good job in that show um but i think that in order for that to happen you have to use things like environment neighborhoods planned communities mu- like you know music video games other things about culture symbolism all that stuff to reinforce that just it's kind of, think of it like um uh, like when your app you have to update your app for it to function right the firmware you yeah. put all these free floating like reinforcements or updates out in in the reality for them to sort of you know take on and you know just like anything else like you cannot do the app update for a while and eventually it won't work if you don't and sometimes <laughs> it just forces you right into it right yeah. same thing here we can resist like some stupid fucking fashion that is going on, but eventually all the clothes will have that and you won't be able to resist it anymore. So you're either going to be naked or you're going to wear it. Right. Yeah. The, this idea. So Monroe, he, he talked about the hemispheric uh, synchronization. Cause I, I have read that article, the, yep. the documents I have yep. read that he's ta- he talks about astral projection, hemisync. Astral travel. Yeah. hemisync. Yeah. Hemisync. Yeah. And he, one of the things that really caught my eye when I was looking into him because I talk about the reptilians a lot is these entities that he encountered in this realm that mm-hmm. were reptilian esque, uh, you know, lizard looking mm-hmm. people and that they feed off the negative energy of people, you know, from like, like how you're saying behind the scene, behind the veil, uh, you know, backstage where they're almost, they're are, you know, archontic in nature and the, you know, Emily, the, the reason, cause we talk about synchronicities and all these things, I feel there's a reason that they make all these movies. For example, the Truman show at the beginning, when they ask him like, why why hasn't he discovered that he's in a show? It's like, well, because we believe the reality that we're presented. Hence us. I was talking to Andres Exertus yesterday and he has this thing that he calls the stimulation theory, not simulation stimulation, because how you're mentioning people with, with different mental illnesses that they get what they get pumped full of medicines and things in order to, stimulate them to be quote-unquote normal and the same thing you know uh we're constantly bombarded with 5g wi-fi all these waves the shit that they put in our food all these things we're being stimulated to feel a certain type of way at all times how you're saying you're missing your coffee you don't feel right when you're off your coffee so that's a stimulation that you need in order to operate okay to be in this realm and, and perceive it how you're you know how you feel comfortable and the 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 reptilian part that's my favorite part about the whole thing because i was talking to joe roop (laughs) i was talking to joe roop and he was talking he's done astral travel i've never done it i've always had he told me that i might have experienced it because i remember one time waking i had an awakening dream so i woke up in my dream i i sat on my bed and then i woke up again and i sat on my bed i was like and it was like the trippiest thing ever i had never experienced that but for the longest time, and I've talked about on the show before, for a long time, I've had sleep paralysis, like a yeah. very long time sleep paralysis, yeah. but I'll have sleep paralysis and I feel the the sense of dread, but I don't get the shadow people or the old hag, you know, I'm sitting on your chest. I don't get that. I'll, you know, I'll wake up all with my eyes. I know I'm having a sleep paralysis episode and I'm so I've had it so much, not as of recently that I'm able to snap out of it just like quickly. You know, I pull, right. I yank myself out of that experience. 
So, but you know, you have some people who freak the fuck out. They have super. What are time. yours? Okay, so this is so this was another thing why that document was interesting to me because it made helped me to make sense of some of my sleep paralysis experiences, which I had I I have it occasionally once in a while still, but for a long time I had like the worst sleep paralysis that I'd ever heard of. Like I was having it multiple times a night, every night, like really intense. Oh, I have, I have but, too, yeah. Multiple but times. I don't. I was never having any of those entity encounters mm -hmm. that people talk about, but I will say one time, one time it, it looked like someone was bending over and looking at me. I saw right? a gray one time and I, the next day I was going to Coral Castle, but I was by the 29th oh. parallel, which I think the 29th parallel yeah. throws me off a bit. I don't know what it is about. <laughs> okay. Just South uh, Florida. <laughs> so, so the, like, you know, I think at the time I had that thing where it felt like someone was looking over me. Like, I wouldn't have said it was like a gray or a shadow man. Like, I guess the way I made sense of it in my head was like, you know, because you look at it up on, you, you, this was long before there was an online to look up at. You know, every kid's like, oh, was it a ghost? Was it an alien? Like, didn't really, I guess the only thing that I could say that, like, you know, I was trying to explain it away in a way that wasn't fantastic. Like, maybe my parent came in and checked on me or something like that, right? But once I read the gateway documents, I recognized what had happened because the technique that they use to get you out of your body, right? It's basically like an, like a sort of like unrolling yourself and coming out one mm -hmm. end of the body and then standing at the end, like up like a telephone pole, right? Like coming up like this at the telephone pole and you'll be looking back at your own body in the bed. So it described exactly what that experience was. So what I'm thinking was that the time that that happened like I, I either that was like one time when I did it perfectly right and was sort of aware of it, like, or maybe, or maybe and you were looking I, at yourself, <laughs> right. Or maybe that was a one time that it wasn't perfectly right. Yeah. Like maybe I was there and here at the same time for a second with that awareness. Cause these things happen when you're practicing these types of techniques. Right. So yes, a hundred percent. I wanted to say something, what you said about the reptilians. Cause that's funny that like, so, so you're like, I love the reptilians. Fuck, <laughs> fuck, I love them. <laughs> All right. So, like the reptilians for me, like they're just a, like I, I I'm not particularly um, into the reptilians. Like sometimes, like sometimes I think, and this is probably like, you know, my brain just trying to rationalize that. Like when people talk about the reptilians, it like keeps us farther away from ever <laughs> ever getting other people on board with stuff. But I do recognize that that is an energy that exists at a certain vibration. Right. And I also obviously recognize that we have a reptilian part of our brain, right? When our uh, health is out of balance, our skin can become scaly and we will begin to, to, to take on some of the attributes of, of what we think of as, as, as reptilian, both in appearance and in behavior. Have you seen on burn victims that they put fish skin on them, like on their, their wounds? Have you seen that before? I, saw, I have not seen that. I, have I saw not that seen today. That. They, they put fish skin over the wounds to heal them faster. I have not seen that, but that is crazy. fascinating. It doesn't surprise me based on some other things that we've been learning about in recent months and years. Um, but I also know that like a lot of times people who are experiencing issues with like nanotechnology or melt more gallons in the system, their skin will start to appear that way in spots, right? And you can associate that with sort of that realm or that vibration of, of, of things. So it is a thing. I think that there's like, Okay, so with all of these groups that are really into things like gateway process, right? Hemi-sync, binaural beats, leaving your body, astral travel, studying that, practicing that. 
Like a lot of them are very anti-drug, like anti-taking psychedelics or drugs, right? And at the same time, a lot of people who are like more interested in exploring drugs, some of them are into, into meditation and these other exercises as well. And others see it as, well, like, why do it the way that you might get there when there's this surefire way to get there, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, some people see the drugs as more efficient if they're really trying to explore the outer realms. I think both are interesting. I think combinations of both or whatnot. But I think that, like, there is a different, I mean, you could describe these as, like, frequency levels or vibrational levels, or you could describe them as, like, realms of certain elements or minerals, Right. And if you take that, if you take enough of that, then you can like, then you experience that layer of things, right? Mm -hmm. So you guys were, I was listening to you and your friend, what was it, the guy you were talking to his name? Paranoid American, this Thomas. Yeah. I was listening to you guys talk in your occult literature book or your occult book club about this guy who took massive, massive doses of nitrous oxide over and over again um, and was really trying to like map out this realm or this reality that he would travel to um, when he was on it. That was very like that he became enlightened enough to understand and sort of under to be able to explain to himself while he was there. But the farther he would get from the experience, it became more and more difficult to sort of explain it. And it was his life work. He kept doing it. Right. So I, I was telling you before we started about this gentleman, Kalindi E. who keeps coming up a lot lately and he did the same thing with mushrooms. Like he was known for taking 30 to 50 grams of mushrooms Fucking and he crazy. would do it. But he did it for the reason of becoming um, like more familiar with and then more functional in those levels and layers and realms. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I think that um, in some ways that's what you have to do. Right. You have to be willing to sort of go there over and over and over and try and understand it and let go of the idea of, this is good or this is bad, right? Because with a lot of these processes, it is correlated with a new age movement where anything negative is bad or anything that is dark or scary or of a bad frequency, you shouldn't do that. And these things that are of the light are much better and blah, blah, blah. Like for him, all that shit's out the door. Like this is what it is. This is there. It's provable because every time I do that amount, I end up in that layer, in that realm. Right. And if I do more, it's the next thing. And if I do more, it's the next thing. And it's literally like moving through, you know, like rooms in a house or something like that. Right. So with the reptilians, I think they exist in one level layer or space that is probably not that far off from where we normally are. And that's why so many people have experiences of them. And so many people see like um, they might see their friend suddenly for one second like their mouth or their eyes do a thing like that and it could be that it's just that other vibration is laying over this one and it's not like a, an infiltration thing though I suppose it could be like I think these same entities that like let's just say there's a different realm for each mineral right and those entities that exist in that realm are attracted to that mineral in any realm it's in mm -hmm. so if you take some of that right if you take some with any kind of chemical substance or whatever if you take some but not enough to go there it might call them in right and then if you take enough to go there well then you're there in their wonderland right and i think that like if we could step away from this judgment of the experience and and, and Kalindi would talk about this like you have to become 
tough. You have to experience the scary because that's when you're able to start to do the work. And the work is understanding what the fuck is really going on here. And if we have like a judgment or a fear about every new thing we encounter, right, then, you know, it, 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 that's part of how we haven't gotten very far very fast. And, you know, my guess would be the people that we think of as like the controllers or the evil people or whatever, they're just people who are committed to that process, regardless of how uncomfortable it is. Right now they hire a bunch of other like, you know, stupid evil fucks to like make it look like they care about money and power and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm not saying there's no truth to that. Right. But the people that like, when we're, you guys even almost talked, he, he, he used the term cosmic Mason at some point during your show. And my friend Danny and I have been talking about psychedelic masonry lately. Like, I think that is really a term that probably, um, I'm going to be looking more into like a practice or whatever, like in terms of studying that, seeing what exists along those lines. Because I think that that's what it takes to really know how this all works is this like commitment to like, not just doing the stuff that brings you like immediate return or that feels good or that gives you the answer right away or whatever, but like staying in the discomfort good or bad, because sometimes something can be exciting and pleasant, but still somehow uncomfortable because you're not used to it long enough to be able to explain it to people in a way that they can understand. Because at the same point, you're able to explain it to other people in a way that they can make some meaning of is generally when you finally truly understand what you've experienced, right? Like it takes time to be able to like learn to relay your experiences in a way that, that people can relate to. I certainly understand that. If I go back and listen to like first couple podcasts I was on, I was terrible. You were probably terrible too. It's fucking horrible. But now you're better. And also all that material that you thought you had a good enough a grasp on to talk about then, now you actually do. And it's not because you've researched more. It's because you've learned how to talk about it. Like you've you've, you've more internalized the experience and learned how to talk about it, which in, in turn like informs you at the next level, right? Yeah, and to kind of segue into my next thing that I wanted to talk to you about because I, I you know if anything that really just makes my nipples hard it's you know I'm, I'm into Dungeons and Dragons and I, I'm into the whole interdimensional aspect of reality you know Cthulhu mm-hmm. mythos these entities that exist outside the fabric of space and time so we're talking about reptilians I recently had Jared Murphy on and he wrote the book it's not aliens worse it's us uh, discovering our lost uh, history something like that, or ancient history. And he talks about pretty much the, the black aether uh, around the different parts of the world, Terrapieta, which is like this bioengineered soil, right? Mm-hmm. And you talk about interdimensional architecture or interdimensional tech. Now, he talked about how there could have been, at one point in time, a race of people. Maybe that's the haplogene X. Who knows, right? This is how I feel that some some cultures and some peoples are more in tap with, you know, the supernatural, the skinwalker, chupacabra, the wendigo, you know, these, these metaphysical aspects. I feel that there's, that's a, that's a genetic thing to me. And I think, I feel that those people have been kind of wiped out or, you know, killed off little by little. And he talked about these people that are able to modify their genome in real time to adapt to their environment. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey, are reptilians out? of the question he said no because it's you know a physical reptilian like an actual lizard person okay 
Because maybe when there was a catastrophe, the way that they were best able to adapt to whatever was happening was to shift into this half man, half reptilian type of thing, like cockroaches survive atomic blast. So, you know what I mean? They go underground, the cockroaches survive. Maybe these people, that's why we have, again, they talk about the pineal gland. Maybe that was a third eye, you know, and the Lemurian times where it was outside of our head, like an antenna, you know, Hyperborea and all these places existed back then. And through evolution, because we know that the body doesn't get rid of organs that are useless. You know, if anything, it'll make it smaller. There's a reason why we have the pineal gland where it is. It hasn't gone away. There's a reason why we have an appendix. I mean, it's like this weird fucking appendage in there. It's like, what does it do? Oh, we don't know. Oh, it's still there. You know, the body hasn't gotten rid of it. But this interdimensional architecture, because we have the pyramids all over the, the world. We don't know what they are. We have Falconelli talking about the cathedrals, you know, how people perceive sounds and colors differently within these arc, within these buildings. Can you talk a little bit about that, about this interdimensional architecture, about how perhaps you're able to tap into and project yourself into another reality of existence through these buildings, wherever they are. Cause I believe in that hundred percent. I think that's what happened to all the ancient civilizations that went missing. The Mayans, the Hyksos, you know, the Egyptians, the Hyksos, uh, Mohenjo Dara, all these different places around the world where the people just vanished. I think that's what that happened, that they were able to, as a people through a genetic code, uh, enter some vibrational frequency where they're able to peace out. You know what I mean? Like just leave this existence. Yeah. So, okay, that was a that was a great little segment. You just pulled together a lot of things. So I've actually, I've heard a lot about Jared. I haven't read his book. I know, like, Nish has been telling me for a long time, oh, you have to talk to him, you have to talk to him, based on the same thing, right? And I have the, the manufactured soil, or the, the right, the bioengineered, the engineered soil. Um, and that, that, that crosses nicely with some other theories that I look into about things. So, uh, Jared, if you're listening, maybe we should have a chat sometime. I'll send you his um, info. All right, so I do think what you said, I'll get into the interdimensional architecture in just a minute. What you said about there being people that can change their genome, ain't that, right, it, it, like that's what's happening right now, right? So I, I like early on in the lockdown, like I think May, right? May of 2020, um, like we escaped California and went to Phoenix, right? Where things were pretty <laughs> open. And uh, I was, it was my birthday, right? And so myself and I think my friend Jeff, as I think we were talking about, that you heard me talking about Tracy with sometime. He's a crypto guy. He knows Andreas, your friend, mm-hmm. and, and some of that sort of, uh, right? So, um, but uh, uh, we were sitting around having a conversation about, all right, what the fuck is really going on with this? What is going on with the testing Right, like, what is this all about? And I think that they they're looking for pe- they were like they were looking for people, possibly with this genetic. Like, I think that there's people that they cannot target with their bioweaponry because because <laughs> they're able to morph and change their 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 genome or their genetics or their DNA or rearrange stuff or whatever. So I don't know, like, right. So I think that. Um, I mean, remember early on they were saying how like, oh, maybe this blood type was more susceptible to it and that blood type was less susceptible and right kind of thing. Um, I think that like when they create things like this, they're counting on them like working pretty well. And when they don't work well, they either wonder why or know why. And then they know what the next thing to do is, right? But I think that like there's probably not 
a good enough data bank yet on who has this shifty kind of genetics because it's entirely possible, just like what you said about the um, our uh, organs and stuff like that, like some, you know, like appendixes and the pineal gland, like we still have all of these things, right? Like, what is it possible that we're able to shift, but then also put a lock on it for a bit so that they can't tell that we have the ability, right? There's all this stuff going on. Um, and I think- Again, Emily, are- through toothpaste, through the foods that we eat, what does toothpaste do? It calcifies your fucking pineal gland. Right. And it does all these things to suppress you. I do think, Emily, that- Back then, I do think that the world was like Harry Potter. I do think that people had magic. Like, look at Welsh mythology. It's fucking epic. There's dragons. There's magic. There's magicians. All these things. I do think it was like that at one point, and we've they've suppressed us since then. I I I agree with you that that that, that's um, that the world was closer to that than to what we have right now. Um, But the reason that I kind of got into this is because. I think my blood type changed. Like I remember having type O blood when I was a kid and now I don't have type O blood anymore. And I have a number of clients who have reported the same thing. And the shift is always the same. It seems to follow the same process from, from O to a different, a different type. Right. And, and that, that type is the same. Um, but so I do think that there's, you know, people that can do this. Right. And I think it's a, um, it's an adaptation kind of thing. Um, and I think it's one of the you know secrets that's been around for a long time. Um, and, you know, there's probably new ways to achieve it now. Like my guess would be there are people who don't come from one of these genetic lines that can naturally do this, but they have figured out through biohacking ways that they can do that. And that's legitimate. If you can figure that out, good on you. Right. Uh, and then, you know, as long as that you're not hurting something else by doing that, then good on you, figure that out. That's probably how the skill was developed in the first place and passed down in, you know, kind of thing. So I think there's all sorts of stuff going on, going on like that. Um, as for the interdimensional architecture, I guess to make it simple, like I've opined about it in a number of different ways and whatnot. I think that like what we're talking about is there are certain buildings that show up in every dimension or in multiple dimensions, Right. I think there are other realities. There are other realities that are very, very similar to to our reality. And there are others that are more different. And I don't know if it's just like next dimension up or, you know, that, that it gets weirder and weirder. I'm not exactly certain how it works, but I think that there are some materials and some building and some geometries and structures that are the um, able to show up in the most number of places in a coherent manner, Right. And that these are um, like, these are buildings that also ask us questions of time then, right? Like where or when are they from, right? And, and I don't think we understand the direction time is flowing in either. Like, I think it's entirely possible that the pyramids, at least in our timeline, haven't actually been built yet, but because they're interdimensional architecture, they show up in every realm. So Whoa. we see them already, even though we don't understand how they got there. Right. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. You know, I love thinking about this stuff because it, it, it's crazy that it's not, you know, you're talking about this disease, right, that came upon us in 2020. The There's a movie about this shit. It's called I Am Legend. What did they try and do? They try, they were trying to cure something. They came up with a shot and it turned everybody into zombies except for that one guy because his genetic, make his blood wasn't, right. you know, the right one. So it couldn't attach to him. And that's how he was trying to do all these things. I mean, there's movies made about this shit. You're, you're talking about time not being how we perceive it. Have you seen that the newest movie on Netflix 
the Adam Project with Ryan. Yeah, I think it was it like the um, time travel. Yes. Like he came. Yeah. Like well, yes. How you're talking? Not time in that movie is not how we've right. been taught. You know, no. it's, everybody has their own timeline, so it doesn't matter what you do in this one. You know, you're still going to be a kid over here. You're still going to be this spaceship flying guy. You know, in another year, all this stuff. It's like maybe perhaps, you know, it's the multiverse. It's there's everybody right. living different timelines and deja vu is just echoes in space and time where, you know, everything clashes for one second. You go, oh, I've had deja vu so many times this past month. And I tell my wife, yeah. I'm like, holy shit, I just had deja vu. She's like, what happened? What happened? I was like, I've been here before. I was like, I'm on the right path. You know, like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because I've done this before. I've been here. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's the I, craziest thing. I think there's like... I, a, I don't believe we wake up in the same place every day or in the same time, like, right? Like, I think there's different iterations and variations, and there's probably, like, a central few that we move between all the time, and they're so similar um, that we don't really notice them unless you're, like, super observant. But then, like, you could literally be in, like, the next reality over, and, like, literally the only difference is in that reality, there's, like, not a sticker on the lamppost out there, but in this one there is. But like when you start to have things like, wait, there was a sticker there on Monday. Today there wasn't. There's a cornucopia on this one and not in this one. I've always wondered what the fuck does the cornucopia like, you know, Mandela effects are so stupid. I'm like, why would they change that? But that makes sense what you're saying. But this is a good one of the good ones. Like, so imagine if there's one lamppost that shows up in all of them and someone has figured this out and they want to know which lamppost is the interdimensional lamppost, they're going to put their sticker on it. Same could be said (laughs) for like, Graffiti artists, right? Why have you ever noticed that there's sometimes like an intense amount of graffiti in one place and then like next to it, there's none a mile down the road. There's none. Like what is special about that place? Now, sure. You could say, oh, there's like evil energies or evil entities or dark forces. And it sort of attracts that there. And and maybe, maybe, but maybe it's just like, that's where the veil is the thinnest. And people know that like, this is where I had that crazy thing happen to me that time. I want to remember this. I'm leaving my mark here. Or they're leaving their tag because they're going back to the other dimension. They want their buddy to be able to find them or whatever it is, right? I think anytime we see, um, you know, like I pay attention to where I see graffiti tags and where they get removed and where they don't, right? And, and why is that, right? Why do some, like you can have one area that's 30 feet from another area and they're always cleaning the graffiti off of one, but for some reason they leave the graffiti on the other, right? What do they show uh, us in Harry Potter, Emily, that they can walk through the, through the wall into the other dimension, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's 100%, yeah, I... I I can get behind that 100%. You got to grow, like, but some of these places, there is an energy there. It does feel a little scary. So you got to grow a pair and like, you know, like there's, you know, there's an exercise I'm looking to engage in here in Austin, but it's like, it's a little scary. I have a feeling that I have the answer to what might be on the other side, but I don't get to know if I'm not brave enough to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like some of us who've been doing a lot of talking for a lot of years, myself included, like you know, need to grow a pair <laughs> and just start testing it. Right. And, and of course, like there's things that are scary about testing it. Right. Like maybe Tracy was testing it. Right. Maybe Tracy was testing it. Maybe other people who, you know, maybe Kalindi was testing it. Right. Like maybe, he, you know, and, and or whatever, or whatever it is. And maybe it's maybe Kalindi, like maybe we're in a different reality and Kalindi's like, Kalindi's still in all of them, except for he just was never in this one. And so they made up. The, I don't know. Right. But well, I have I have this idea because, you know, that can get really dark really quick. But, uh, you know, I, I look into alchemy and 
obviously the occult. And you're right. We, 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 I talk a lot of shit, but I'm not doing any of the shit that I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like the occult stuff. Cause I have respect for that. I, I do think that it's, you have a, a, a veil, you know, like an aura. And once you wear that off, you open yourself up to other entities. Maybe the reptilians are going to come in, whatever. But <laughs> for you, it would have to be the reptilians. Yeah, it would have to be a fucking lizard person. Like, what's up, motherfuckers? Like, oh, shit. So I have this whole thing, you know, with alchemy, because we know anything is possible. Any Anything that we experience in our in our bodies, it's a chemical reaction. The way you feel when you wake up in the morning, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, it's all a chemical reaction or, or electrical signals within the body. In alchemy, there is the Paracelsian uh, Elias Artista, which is this... Uh, he's like a like a Rosicrucian messiah for some. He's like this immortal alchemist, like a Saint Germain or like a like a Cagliostro, like weird fucking guy in history that reinvents himself all the time. But he says that he has figured out, you know, the secrets of alchemy, which could be the Philosopher's Stone or whatever it is that you want to interpret it as. But he has figured out immortal life. Now this plays into. This, these people, the ascended masters, if you will, that live outside the space of space and time, right? And they can peek in through the veil whenever they want. I feel that some of these secret societies, I, I don't feel I know that they have knowledge to these sort of things. And now they are the immortal alchemists in a way where we're still talking about Plato in the year 2022. Okay. They're living on forever in our minds, which is another realm essentially. And they mm-hmm. will continue to live there. So maybe immortal life, the fountain of youth, is that, you know, making an impact on space and time, history itself, in order to be remembered for the, you know, uh, you have Henry Flagler, one of the founders of Florida. He was John D. Rockefeller's right-hand man. John D. Like, yes. what the fuck are you on? Are you, like, with the other John D. with the and magic? <laughs> like, right. they're doing, like, mirror magic. They want to, like you know, emulate each other. Like, Oh, I want to be, you know, the original double seven. It's like, wait a minute. So you have this Henry guy who was John D's right hand man, but they have counties named after them. They have cities named after them. They have whole, whole uh, railroad systems named after them. They have all these places named after them and they will continue to live on for fucking ever. That is a completely valid form of time travel that you're just describing there. Right. So there's a couple things that I want to hit on that you said. Um, I want to get back to mirror magic. Um, but you were talking about, hold on a second. You said something that I really wanted to get on. Oh, I know that you don't practice alchemy. Like you study it, but you don't practice it. Right. I'm an so alchemist I'm, right now with podcasting because what I'm saying is transforming people's thoughts. So I'm right. performing well, alchemy you don't right do now. the magic rituals that you research. Yes. Exactly. Okay. I don't do those things either. Like I, 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 I read some of that stuff. I don't read the most amount of it of anybody who's in this space, but I think one of the most secure ways to practice alchemy is on an individual basis. So that is not following someone else's practice, right? If you think, if you think there's a wall that you could walk through, right? Develop your own method to walk through it, right? Start experimenting with stuff your way. I think where some of these processes become corrupted is when like somebody does something and then everyone's trying to figure out what they did and they, they're following the exact same path. And eventually somebody who doesn't want that to be done finds out that everybody's walking through this walkway and let's go hit them with the ax or whatever the fuck it is. Right. So I think if everybody developed their own unique way of practicing alchemy of portal magic or whatever that is unique to them, right. 
I think that that's a way, like, like understand it, understand how alchemy works, but like, don't sit there and do like do somebody else's spiritual practice. Like this is, I was having this thought this morning when I was listening to, you know, like my girlfriend is very spiritual. Like she used to be, you know, very religious and, you know, she was into all sorts of like esoteric Christian cults or something. And you can still see like her get captivated by the kind of words that like spiritual gurus and cult leaders were. And, and she has this need to feel like, like she's doing something spiritual or spending time with God or, or whatever. And my whole thing is just like, make up your own thing. Like find some practice that is yours. Don't try to like be dedicated. Like don't try and feel like you have to be disciplined to do some other practice that belongs to someone else that doesn't really resonate for you, but you've been told by other people who do it, that you're not a good enough person if you don't do that. Right. Figure, make your own shit up and then do that. And then like, if it works, cool. If it doesn't work, make something else up. Right. Like you, like, all my best material comes from like shit that I have made up. Like I've done some research and I'm like, eh, for some reason when I research that, it really makes me think about this. I'll fucking make up a story. And then eventually the evidence will come up to show that actually what you said was right. And you know, like that's, I find the best way, but you have to take a psychic leap of faith, right? That like, that I'm going to do this, even though I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And, and somehow like, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, whatever, when he jumped, but he couldn't see the ledge, right? That like the ledge is going to formulate in time for me to land on it or whatever. He manifested right? it. <laughs> yeah. So I want to, there's one more thing that you said before that I want us to go back to. And that was, where did all these missing people go? And then I want to go to mirror magic and the things are maybe kind of related, right? So I think it's possible that um, like people can be like evacuated into another vibration, Right. Like when when some when some big event, right, something that has like a lot of energy, a lot of power, a lot of vibration to it or whatever, if you can resonate to that. Right. Then rather than being decimated in this realm, you just kind of ride that up to another space. So I think that's possible. Like a like Merkaba type of thing where you're just like, boom, just or even just like you come into harmony, like you see, like have if you if you ever watch like scientists who are like messing around with like certain kinds of energies, like certain items will levitate, but other items will not, mm -hmm. right? If you can somehow, maybe through being able to transform your genome or get yourself into a certain state of like calm or elevated state, you can resonate with that. Then you can sort of use it like a surfer uses a wave to sort of push them in. So as opposed to just like being smacked by the wave, you can ride it and end up somewhere else and, and, and that safe harbor or whatever, right? So I think that's one possibility of those things that can happen when these civilizations go missing. The other is like, I think it's entirely possible that some of them like literally are underground, literally are underground, that there are what we think of as like the ancient layers of the, you know, like there's the magma and the, the core and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like, I think there's realities at other existences and other densities. And if you read a book like, um, there's a book called Inside the Earth by Raju Sinemar, right? And, it, you know, it seems to be that, like, you know, there are other things going on inside. Well, you right? mentioned Reed earlier when, before we got on, right. uh, Concave Earth. He was one of the main, yes. one of the first guys to talk about it. We, it, what His idea was that we actually live on the inside of the Earth. We live, like, that the Earth is concave, and instead of living on the outside of it, we live on the inside of it. Yeah, like right. on the, the opposite end of it, right? Some weird fucking model where it's like the inverted or some shit like that. It, where it's basically just like if you imagine like a glass ball, 
right? And, and we were instead of, or, or just a ball, but instead of being on the outside of it, we're like on we're inside. on the outside of the earth, we're told. I don't know if that's true. You were just on the inner, but it's large. And so it's not like you can look across and see the wall on the other side. Right? Well, they like showed instead- that in the newest King Kong movie, I believe, or the Godzilla, the newest Godzilla movie where it was like, they were on the inside of the earth, like, you know, hinting at that there is a possibility that, I mean, we know there's whole forests underground in China. Completely. So if there's entire forests underground, wouldn't there maybe be people that live in those forests underground or animals, right? So I think that that's one of the things, like, I fully believe, like, this, like, like, I think that some of the things we think of that are of the past and now gone are just deeper, deeper, deeper down inside the earth and other things are on top. I don't know that for sure. I'm not saying, oh, like, that's my final thought on that, but I think that's a possibility. Um, and I think that, um, you know, but I, I, I think that there's not really any place to go. I don't think like, you know, they're just disappearing into nowhere. Mm. I think it's just like, you know, we don't know that like some of these beings that um, people see when they're in like, like what Kalindi would talk about when he takes this many grams of mushrooms, he sees these kinds of things. And then <laughs> more grams, he sees this, more grams, he sees that, right? Like maybe that's just the sort of, costume you have to put on the reptilian suit to exist at that frequency right and people choose to you know and people because of their genetics or whatever are able to do that he said the higher you go the wackier shit you see you see all sorts of combinations of you know people with tails or beaks but then you think about the egyptian you know the egyptian bird heads and this you know the plume serpents and all these like you know things that we think of we are taught to think that like oh when they do this chimeric stuff this is like some and yeah, probably doing it in a lab isn't the best thing, right? Like when you're mixing things like that. But if people, if this is something that people are able to shape shift into, like you see that in every culture, they have some story about a man with a bird head or something mm-hmm. like that, right? So, um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, I think that that's where these people go. I think they're just, they're, they're not, um, there isn't that there's no answer, Right. If you shapeshift yourself, if you transform yourself, you're not going to leave your bodies, your bones, your whatever behind. Right. Like I think that the you know we have some of that, you know, but those are the societies that didn't make it. Yeah, I right? think I think that's where we how you're saying these chimeric creatures of of mythology. I think that's how we get mythology. I think these people back then didn't know what the fuck they were seeing. And, you know, right. the shaman class was held at a higher standard than the regular citizen and only certain people could tap into that frequency. So when, you know, the regular person, uh, you know, when they had the shaman, he's like, well, what'd you see? Uh, he had a head of a crocodile on the body of a horse. Like, wait, what? Right. And what the fuck are you on, bro? It's like, well, you asked me what I saw. That's what I saw. I was like, all right, write it down. You know, draw it here on this wall. Yeah. And so that's how we got mythology and all these crazy, like I told you, Welsh mythology or the Nordics. Like some crazy epics. I also think it's the art of rhetoric where they needed to tell a crazy story. When you're building a mind palace, you need to remember the craziest shit in order to associate that idea with the thought. You know, it's like you connect. And and that we see similar drawings all over the world means that these civilizations didn't necessarily exist in a location as much as a dimension, right? Mm. Because, like, right? If there's, let's say there are on some sort of ayahuasca or like there was some, you know, they're having some religious spiritual ritual that like they, they move into a different vibration and they see it. 
right? They didn't see it in Turkey or, I mean, they, they were standing in Turkey or Mexico or Peru when they saw it, but doesn't matter where you are. If you get into that dimension, you're going to see those same things. That's where the black aether comes in, Emily. Yeah, that's so, yes, this was the, the winding, winding back to sort of what they ground themselves in these certain areas. Cause that same soil is found all over the world with the same makeup all over the world at different parts of the world. And, you know, we have pyramids all over the, the different parts of the world. A lot of these places are built like circuit boards. So maybe they were building some giant fucking computer. Maybe that's what Atlantis was. Maybe that's what Tartaria was. Maybe that's what Agartha was. Maybe that was what Shambhala was, you know, like all these names for the same shit. So I would be really curious to like overlap some of his research of locations where this soil has been found with maps, like the most synchronicities. Yeah. The, the map of where particle accelerators are. And my guess would be that there would be a relationship between particle accelerators and that soil. They're built um, on old temples, you know, old, uh, you know, there's the, the one in Switzerland or Sweden, whatever it's on like an old Apollyon temple. It's like, wait, what, you know, the, the angel of the abyss of the bottomless pit, like they built it right on top of there. Boom. Like what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like that's the craziest thing, but you know, similar, they, that's why these elites, right? The government and all these people, the lizard, I call them the reptilian overlords. They know about this technology, about this. Uh, I have a friend of mine, Ryan Burns, that calls it elemental technology, right? Where if you're able to put a, a certain, you know, stones in a certain pattern, Stonehenge or a pyramid, you're able to call upon certain entities, right? I mean, there's different forms of it or different uh, uh, frequencies or wavelengths or whatever it is and attract certain things. And the elites know about this because if, again, back to the founding of Florida, uh, the indigenous people, they understood that, you know, they, they, they had crazy uh, ideas, right? There was uh, the Timakua people here in Florida, which were like giants, you know, and all these crazy things. And when they took over Florida, the, the French or the English, wh- whoever it was, when they settled here in Florida, they kept the names of everything the same because they understand, right? Almost like a, like a twilight language, like how Michael Hoffman talks about that. These names have power, you know? So we have Osceola County, we have Seminole County, we have, you know, uh, Lake Tohopelico, which is a local lake here. Like all these indigenous names, they kept them all the city, Lake Okeechobee, all these cities, all Miami, that all that, that's all indigenous. And they kept those names because they understood that perhaps that they could use this elemental technology to their benefit to tap into what you were saying, be able to uh, genetic uh, uh, manipulate people from a frequency point of view. Where it's like, well, we can amplify it if we keep the certain name of, of this thing. You know, you have you have Rockefeller building on an old uh, mound of uh, like some old burial ground for Indians. Like, wait, what what are you on, bro? Like, do you know who the fuck wants to build their house on top of a cemetery? You know, it's like, right. well we're able to tap into things, you know, if, you know, a certain type of way, a certain type of day or a certain night when the moon is full. I mean, look at talismanic yeah. magic. It's all how the planets are aligned. They know about this shit. So a couple of things. So I want to talk about elemental magic in just a second, but I also like what you just said. Um, I just did a show with Chad Stumpke, who is, you know, he, he does like a lot of this sort of geomancy kind of work and, and, and whatnot. But we just did a, a show about um, this area along the Detroit River and it, where there used to be mounds and where there's been a world's fair and what they're now sort of erecting some new stuff. I think I would listen but, to that one. Yeah. It's this repeating cycle, right? There's dead bodies there. 
Mm-hmm. Like at the World's Fair, they were letting people go dig up bones and take them home. So what if like, and I think this goes to the Tartarian narrative and to, you know, maybe. When they were stuff. building the railroad, Emily, they would come across Henry Flagler. He, they would come across old burial sites. They would dig right. them up and give them away as souvenirs to the workers. Like that, that's, that, that's fascinating. But why you just ask this question about why on the cemetery, like our, our skeleton, our body, our bones, they're probably in some ways like thumb drives, like they hold information, right? And then you put your stuff <coughs> on there and you have access to that. It's floating around in the ether around there, right? It's kind of, you know, and so I think that the, um, if there was a group of people that had access to, or they had a genomic ability, or they had act, they, they had a certain way of like dealing with the elements or whatnot. And you want to fully understand that, whether it be just out of your personal interest, or whether you want to use that to capture a market, which is not the with the way I you know kind of thing. You want to expose yourself to you, you just like whenever you want to learn something, you put yourself, you go hang around with people who are good at that. Mm-hmm. You want to learn how to be a leathersmith, you go become an apprentice for somebody who works with leather. If you want, right? If you want to be a chef, you go work in kitchens. If you want access to elemental magic, you put yourself on top of the people who knew how to practice it. And, you know, if, if elemental magic really is elemental magic, that will sort of take care of itself, that cycle right there, right? Um, when I was on the, uh, a couple of things over the last couple of weeks made me think about elemental magic in another way. And it wouldn't be me on a podcast if I didn't mention something about tennis. But um, <laughs> I was on with them on the Weaving Spiders. And towards the end, a young lady named Project Cheney mm-hmm. uh, came on. And we were talking about tennis and she was like, she brought up a point about the different surfaces and about how there's like this elemental aspect to it, right? When you're a tennis fan who's just been watching for a long time, you just think of it as like hard courts, pretty standard, good for people that have like a big serve and a good forehand and it's not too hard to adjust to. Clay, slower playing, right? Longer points, like power is less of a concern, blah, 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 grass, fast surface, big serve, like, you know, short points whatever you'd think of it as just like being advantageous to players based on the skill set they have. You don't think about it as elemental magic, but she started just getting in. She just barely touched on it about the fact that, Oh, this is so interesting. They play on four, you know, four different surfaces. And, you know, she, she we didn't go any further than that, but then later the week, was, <laughs> there's three, there's hard, hard court, indoor mm. and outdoor. And then there's grass and clay. Okay. That would have been funny if there was four though. I'd be fucking crazy. Uh, right. Well, I, I think I may, I may have come across something somewhere that said that there used to be another surface they played on. I'd have to like, there's different kinds of clay and whatnot. So I don't know if that sometime different kinds were, were, were thought of as separate surfaces, but later that week I was listening to an interview with just like a standard tennis person who was being cr- critical of the tennis player, Naomi Osaka. And she said, it's kind of interesting how she has no love or affinity for the natural surfaces. Right. So she doesn't like grass or clay. She only likes hard court. I had previously for many years referred to Naomi Osaka as a bot. Like she doesn't seem to me like a normal human. So the way she had said she has no affinity for the natural surfaces and she just likes the hard court, right? Which is like a more manufactured kind of thing. I thought that was interesting. And it started getting me thinking about elemental magic. So you have tennis players who like are legendary throughout history. And obviously the one people are celebrating so much right now is Rafael Nadal. He's the king of clay. He's won 14 French Open titles that's played on the, the Terre Batu, right? The battered earth, the red clay of Roland Garros. Like, 
he has, he's Spanish, but he looks kind of like, you know, a Mayan warrior, or he has this like very like ancient battle, you know, if the tennis, if the tennis uh, racket is sort of like symbolic of the sword and they're having a duel, right? He is very in touch with that earthly element of clay or, 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 or the, the dirt, the earth, like Roger Federer, Pete Sampras. These are all people that were really known for their grass court play. Like that's what resonates for them. Novak Djokovic has always been a hardcore player. As he gotten gotten older, he's gotten better on the grass, but he had to learn that. I had never thought of it as maybe these people come from genetic lines that are more resonant with a certain elemental, and that is why they're so dominant. That since the beginning of time, they've been having battles with people of other genetic lines, and they take place on these different surfaces that is their preferred realm of dominance, Right. And it's like, you know, you can beat somebody at their at your own place, but can you beat them at their place? And when their magic is a fire, right? Um, so that, you know, to what you were talking about, I think we should consider these things. And you can find it, like, there are some people that, like, they just can't live in the desert, or they just can't live in the forest, or they can't live where it's, in, and we think of it as a temperature thing, right? We think of it as like, oh, people think the desert is too hot, or the mountains are too cold. What if the temperature isn't it at all? Or if that's just an effect of the elemental, and that they're really more dirt people or they're grass people or they're water people or whatever it is. And that this has so much more to do with how effective we are in certain locations. We consider astrology and astrocartography and all of that. But I think this idea of the elemental magic, I think none of us pay that much attention to that. A hundred percent. And you know, the, the, the more I look into things, you know, not everything is a conspiracy, but a lot of shit is a conspiracy. Okay. And, and what you're saying is, you know, back, again, back to the founding of Florida, because we're doing a whole series on it. And the, when they were trying to take over the South, uh, Southwest coast of Florida, it, they called it the, I think it was like 10,000 Island or hundred thousand Island area. And it's a place in the Everglades where it's just like a bunch of little islands. Like it's a mangrove, it's a swamp, it's a bunch of little islands. And when they were trying to invade through the, the, the government, the U.S. government, they were trying to go in and, and they were being just battered because the indigenous people that were already there, that was their element. It was guerrilla warfare. So they were yeah. just getting eaten up alive. They didn't know where the fuck they were because there's all these canals and it was just endless and endless. And one of the a, a lot of the times, you know, Florida went from again, this is why, I, again, they're using magic. It went from the lowest population state, the poorest state to being one of the number one states, you know, the number three in the, in the whole nation. You know, you mm -hmm. have Disney World here. You have Disneyland in California, again, mirroring these realities. You have Orange County here in Florida. You have Orange County in California. So, again, it's this mirrored reality in a way to where it, they're playing it to their advantage. That's, and, a, Rosicrucian thing. That's a Rosicrucian thing. Like, yes. If you ever listen to Michael about the bookends, right? like that kind of thing. It's very, calm. like you see that quite frequently. The more you think about it also, the what ends, has can you repeat that? bookends. Like I think there was a Rosicrucian idea of like bookends and he's talked about it in terms of uh, Maryland or Pennsylvania and California. But what you said about Florida made me think about that too, because I hadn't thought about the fact that in Orange County in Florida and Orange is, is, um, is Disney World in Orange County, Florida? Yes. Okay, so it is in, in, in Los Angeles as well, right? And really? So, th that, so that's bookends. Um, but also, the, the Florida, people think, when, it, when people think of Florida, all they think is like sunshine. Sunshine and oranges and beaches and things like that. 
well the color orange is is a chemical the sun is our chemical (laughs) the sunshine state Florida actually has more climates and sort of makeups than people think. Like if you're up in North Florida, like it snows in North Florida, mm-hmm. right? Like I've been to Jacksonville. I've been to Gainesville. I've been to Miami. I've been to Fort Lauderdale. Like I, I don't think I've ever been to Orlando. These are not similar climates to one another, right? Like, th- like there's many different, it isn't just all sunshine and beaches all the time. And neither is California. But people think of California and sunshine. We have mountains, we have snow, we have, we have desert, Florida is like that as well. It's kind of like on both ends of the country, you have this um, sort of what some people would the say. Two are pillars. Like paradise kinds of, <laughs> of bodies of land, right? But, but they're, they're really, they have all the elements mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. So, which isn't necessarily true of all the other locations, right? So Absolutely. that's kind of interesting. I wanted to hit back on one more thing and then um, we can go wherever you want or we can, whatever. I didn't know if you wanted, if you, I didn't know how long you wanted to go for. You said magic mirrors and you had asked me about interdimensional architecture. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've been paying a lot of attention to um, as Austin just expands at an ever increasing pace around me, uh, I, I lived here the first time in 1999 and it's changed tremendously since then. I moved back last year. I moved, I lived here a couple times in between. A lot of these really interesting buildings that are going up are mirrored glass, right? And the way they, some of the buildings reflect in the other buildings, to me, is very is, is fascinating. Like if you look into one of these mirrored buildings from one angle, the city looks entirely different what's reflected back than if you look at it in a building from another angle. I think these are peop- like like little windows into other dimensions where there are other Austins, but similar but different. Sometimes you'll see a building <laughs> that like one building reflects like it's all distorted and off angle, and the other one next to it is perfect. Looks perfect in the other dimension. Like I wonder what kind of distorted reality exists in the dimension where like the building is like cr- crunk- you know crumpled up on itself. There's also buildings going up now that are clearly trying to prevent themselves from being reflected in other buildings. Like I'm seeing like buildings that are intentionally making their outline or their frame match the outline or the frame of the building that's directly across town that would reflect them, right? Or they're putting up like there's this weird, let me see if I can show you. Oh, I don't know how to screen share on screen here. Never mind. Um, like there's this one building that looks like a ship, like capsized and is upside down. And on one side, the building is square, but then there's this like weird like guard or fence that's on the other side of it that makes it look like almost like a pyramid. But what it does is it prevents any reflection on that side of the building. So any building that will ever be built on the, other, on the, the, the west side of that building will never reflect in the building, Interesting. right? And, and so you're starting to see almost like this awareness. And maybe it's always been part of the masonry of developing cities. But, you know, like if these buildings are interdimensional in nature or if the building themselves are kind of technology that we don't completely understand, there would be a certain amount of like corporate warfare and espionage and all of this kind of stuff that could go on based on some of this stuff. And you're starting to see that represented in the way these buildings are sort of being you know erected their location they all seem to be fighting for a reflection in the water like all the buildings seem to want to be like clustered like a few blocks back they could have like a lot more space for a lot less money but they all want to be where they can see their logo reflected in the in the lake 
right? And if you look at Austin on a certain kind of clear, still day, it looks like there's another Austin upside down, completely parallel underneath. My wow. guess is that there probably is. And that plays into the, the, the Benjamin Paul blood where he's like, I, if I see a reflection, is that reflection another reality? And mind you, this guy's fucking blasted on nitrous. So he's contemplating this thing that he's you know, he's feeling. I mean, check the check the episode out for those that haven't listened to it. It's very interesting. Uh, the ramblings of a madman because it was probably one of the hardest reads I had ever done. It's a pamphlet, right? He wrote a book later on. Thomas read the book. I didn't, but it was probably the hardest fucking thing I've ever had to read because it was he's a philosopher, so he's going on about the very fabric of reality, and it gets fucking exhausting. But absolutely, these people know these things. Their logos are occulted. And to wrap up on this, they, like I said earlier, not everything is a conspiracy, but I was just watching the newest season of Survivor. I had never seen Survivor ever. One of the longest running shows, okay? They have occult shit in that show. You know, you Mm -hmm. have the Ouroboros, you have the triangle, you have this weird thing where they have to solve puzzles and they have to balance on everything. But if you look at, you know, there's certain things in there where if you look at the tarot, you know, they're reflecting, they're reflecting the tarot in real life. Almost again, almost, is it some sort of initiation? Who knows? But you see the parallels of like, Hey, that looks like, you know, you talk about Freddie Mercury because of that one tennis player that you you, uh, referenced him to. I look at the magician card of the, the white deck and he looks like the magician where he's holding up the hand. He's got, you know, the other hand down. He looks like Freddie Mercury. I sent a picture to uh, Mario from symbolic studies. I think he was on that podcast with you where I said, Hey, I, you know, he posted something with Freddie Mercury and it looks like the magician card. If you look at the, 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 I think it's Ryder white uh, tarot deck where, how do we pause it? Oh, fuck. Where it look to me, it looks like that, like the magician card. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they do this shit, you know, the world's a stage, you know, William Shakespeare, Francis Bacon, whoever you want to relate him to. said <laughs> that. And these guys were occultists. I mean, hundred percent. Yeah. I think a lot of this, like when you just said about survivor, um, I think there's a lot of crowdsourcing going on here, right. Where they have fa- like, like what, what kind of what we were talking about earlier, where it was like, okay, maybe some of the testing is to like, like hunt down these people that have these changeable blood types or changeable genetics or something like that. I think also like there's a frustrated group of elites that like don't have the magic within, right? And and, and want to be able to do things that they that they can't do. <laughs> and so they're crowdsourcing a solution to their problem through contests and games and video gaming and all of this kind of stuff. They're looking for people who can solve the puzzle, right? And and they like you know, did you ever watch um OA? OA. I tried watching it and I couldn't get past like the first or second episode. I just something about it, but you kept bringing it up. So I'm going to check it out. You can uh, watch the second season just completely separate from the first season. Like you can watch them together and they make sense as a cohesive piece, or you can watch them separately and they'll still make sense. But the whole point of that second season was like, he was looking for people who were able to solve this puzzle of this game on the phone, but it really went to what we're talking about right here, being able to sort of cross between dimensions, between sleep and waking and all of this kind of stuff and being able to hold their wits about them well enough to not go crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's part of what it is, is being able to 
withstand the travel to the other dimensions without becoming untethered from this one, right? Um, but that, you know, there's, they know that certain symbols, certain sigils will call people in, will activate them, and then they can do their talent show to see who's got the magic or who has the juice. And maybe that person doesn't win the competition, but they notice for, you know, per se, like something going off off to the side when this person is engaging in this activity that lets them know that they carry the frequency. So suddenly that person has got a new job or a new set of opportunities because this elite fuck wants to use this person's magic to get their, you know, creative project going or, or whatever it is, right? So mm-hmm. I think anytime you have contests, testing, anything like that, the, the winner is not necessarily there, right? Sometimes someone who lost the competition demonstrated a skill that will then be be plucked at. Like my father, I asked him one time, I'm like, did you like, ever work for the CIA or anything? He's like, no, but I did, I did go for an interview with them once and they turned me down. And just a few weeks later, I got picked up by Project Crossroads, right? So it's like, there you go, Interesting. right? <laughs> Um, so, but that's, that's how it happens. Any of these things are an opportunity to look at everybody's mm-hmm. sensibilities and everybody's skills. And like the idea that there's a winner is just kind of like a false flag, right? right? Like it's a hoax. Like that's every, all the attention goes to that. Meanwhile, they've gathered all the intelligence that they need from mm-hmm. everyone else. Right. So Emily, anyhow, this was fucking amazing. You're great. <laughs> we touched on a lot of crazy topics and I had a couple of things left. Um, we could do this again and we I'm can touch to. on those things. Can you, do you have any concluding thoughts to leave the listeners with? No, just that like, this is like clearly a challenging time, right. That we're living through. Um, obviously like there's some not great stuff going on, but there's also some really interesting things like more and more people coming together, having conversations like this, starting to understand and be able to work with our own abilities, our own magic, our own transformable gene code, right? This kind of thing. Like that's all happening now. Like the things that they, like if I watch the news, whether it be the real news or like our alternative conspiracy, supposed truth or news, it's still all propagandizing us, right? Like what the things that they're saying are happening are generally not happening in my day to day life. So like, Pay attention to your own shit, make up your own stuff, and then come and tell us about it, right? It's like, it's definitely more interesting that way. So, anywho, Juan, it was lovely spending some uh, some time with you, and I'd be happy to do it again. Absolutely. And, we'll, um, we'll set it up again, because I, I had a lot of fun, and we, my notes are fucking jam-packed on this episode, and I got some good clips that I'm going to use. Uh, thank you so much, Emily, for coming on. Can you share with the listeners once again where they can find you? Sure. Uh, Emily Moyer on YouTube. My website is emilycmoyer.com and you can find me at patreon.com forward slash offplanetmedia, emilymoyer.locals.com or on Rockfin at Emily Moyer. And I'd love to see you guys there. Thank you so much, Emily. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. And for those that stuck around, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.